everybody. Welcome to the Cultivated Being podcast, a show where the two brothers, myself, Dr. Nick, and my brother, Dr. Jake, say hello. Hey, everybody. <laughs> the two of us from opposite sides of the country, coast to coast, we talk about topics of health that are really important. And then also things, you know, because we're brothers and we just like to talk in general. <laughs> so, so this is a show about all of that that comes between. So anyways, today we're going to talk about sleep hygiene. Um, some of people might be wondering what that is. Jake, can you give a quick sentence about what sleep hygiene is? Yeah, and I actually be interesting to look up why we call it that. But, you know, you want to practice good hygiene, right? Before bed, people think it's like, Sleep hygiene, brushing your teeth, washing your face, whatever. Uh, It's not that. It is about creating the right conditions and environment for you to get the best night's sleep. Okay? So it's it's not a secret. A lot of people struggle with sleep. In our country, there's a lot of medications for it. And there's a lot of self-medications for it as well. Right? Totally. And there's also a lot of people that are like, I need my 10 hours sleep or whatever, or they sleep for 10 hours and they still feel tired because there's different types of sleep as well. You can be in a state of stress or fight or flight and still be sleeping. Do you know that, Nick? (laughs) Did you know? (laughs) Yeah, I did. But yeah, it's good to, it's good you know, it's good information. People don't really realize that because they're like, well, I slept, right? Like, yeah. So, so uh, talk to us a little bit more. First off, you know, there's a couple of parts to this. Obviously, what would be a good way of helping us to get into that sleep and get into the mindset of, of, of healthy, good sleep. But first, I think we need to talk about what is good sleep? What do you mean when you say there's different kinds of sleep? Yeah, I was going to say, in the interest of stretching this topic, let's talk about something. <laughs> so, yeah, there's two states of autonomic nervous system, which we've talked about in here, right? Parasympathetic, which is to say, like rest, digestion, healing, growth, et cetera. And the other one is uh, sympathetic nervous system function, which is fight or flight, like emergency procedures in your body. And you can sleep in either one of those and so some people might think like how are you sleeping in a state of fight or flight well think about um human history when uh you know society wasn't quite as constructed and we might uh spend the night in a cave or like in a big tree or just kind of exposed to some degree where a predatorial animal or maybe a hostile human could enter our domain and could be bad news, right? So we have developed a way to sleep that's like barely sleep, Mm -hmm. stress sleep, like sleeping with one eye open, okay? Uh, So we never really get in that deep restful state because when we get into a deep, deep sleep, we are essentially paralyzed mm. from a nervous system standpoint right yeah and i'm not pretending to be an expert in this i just i know a little bit about it 
But yeah, when you're in a deep slumber, you are paralytic. Like you are out. You're super vulnerable. Uh, so when you're stressed, you stay in more of like a lighter, more aware sleep. Not really a deep sleep, not super restful, not really getting like that healing and regeneration that you need. You do get some rest, right? You're unconscious, but you're hyper aware. So that's like the type of sleep where you're tossing and turning, right? Or that type of sleep where any little sound could wake you up. And for a lot of people, they just think that's what sleep is. (laughs) And that's what I would call stress sleep. But the idea being someone wanders or some animal wanders into your cave, you, you awaken, right? Yeah. Protect yourself. And, or, um, or if you're like me, if I have a big project the next day or, you know, I remember this, especially in school, like a big test the next day or like, you know, to get our license, we had to do all those big, it seems like there's a million big tests and I, all night it was like, I was there in the test and I was doing it and everything. And I just didn't sleep. It felt like I was there. Like people were in the room, like my, (laughs) my examiners were in the room there when I was trying to sleep. And it's like, you don't even need an alarm because you know you have to wake up early. And so like it's five in the morning and you're like, okay, I'm not going to sleep anymore. I just got to go. That's when you're describing it. That's exactly what I'm thinking about. Maybe other people relate to it that way. I don't know. Yeah. I think it can manifest in, in different ways, but what we're looking at is what can be considered to some people called parasomnia, meaning you fall asleep, but you have a hard time staying asleep. And that's very much connected to stress. Versus insomnia, which is more complex, and that's insomnia is in trouble falling asleep to begin with. This state has more to do with parasomnia, but insomnia is going to be connected to, to sleep hygiene as well. So the reason I'm doing this background is because understanding part of why we have this system can help us kind of hack it a little bit. So with the idea being if you as a human are sleeping and subconsciously aware of the fact that you're not a hundred percent safe or secure, you're going to sleep in more of like a guarded state versus a restful Mm -hmm. uh, surrender state. Mm -hmm. I think this also has to do a little bit with the people that, and this happens, I think to everybody, at least a little bit when you're like falling asleep, but you jolt yourself back awake like last second. (laughs) Yeah. That's another stress response. Anyway, uh, okay, so understanding your mind has to think everything is okay. So it doesn't matter if you live in the most secure home on the planet. If the threat comes from, say, your mind, you're worried about a test the next day or you're worried about finances or you're worried about your relationships or you're worried about your health. These can all tell your mind, okay, we're not exactly safe right now, so we do need to be on guard tonight. So, want to talk about sleep hygiene? Yeah, let's do it. So, yeah, what what do you do? I mean, I do want to talk about this in two ways. Part one, I want to ask, like, what would you say for somebody who's dealing with parasomnia, insomnia, for them to do sleep hygiene at their house, what would it be? Okay, well, a little personal story. There was a period of my life right after I graduated 
undergrad. I was working like a really stressful job and just have that normal transitionary stress where my college friends, we've all like separated, we've disbanded and I'm like in this new environment. I've never really been in my life and other factors just to where I, uh, I could fall asleep because I was exhausted. I was working probably 70 hour work weeks at that time, but I would wake up three hours later and then be up for the rest of the night. And I did this for about five months, just getting like three hours of sleep. And, uh, I mean, it's just torture. So when someone comes into my practice with this, I'm like, man, it's, I know I've been there. It's so bad. So I take my sleep very seriously and I'm proud to say I'm a world-class sleeper these days about as good as it gets uh, but it's not accidental it's very intentional so i'll talk a little bit about the research behind it but then i'll also talk about my own personal experience because again research can indicate this is like a great tool for you but that's speaking in generalities and everyone's different so you have to do what works best for you but sleep hygiene really has to do with the practice of preparing your mind and body for the act of sleeping. And the research shows you really should start an hour before you want to be asleep. So let's wind down the clock. Let's say you want to be asleep by 11. It's 10 o'clock. Time to start prepping. And you can start way earlier than this, but they say, yeah, at least an hour. So the main goal you want to think limiting stimulants. Okay. You wouldn't have a big cup of coffee right before bed, right? Cause you know, it's too stimulating, but chemical stimulants like caffeine aren't the only way to stimulate your body. Right. Totally. What are, what are some other stimulants that you might, uh, experience as you're preparing for sleep? Loud noises, flashing lights, Fast-moving yeah. objects. <laughs> You're right. Uh, I guess you could say anything that could be alarming, right? Right. Uh, so all of those are true. Uh, but also more subtle things, too. So like flashing lights, very stimulating, like a strobe light, right? Or yeah. like sirens. But uh, blue light. So blue light is like part of the spectrum of light from uh, screens that would be on your phone or your laptop or your TV that tell your brain it's still daylight. So what blue light does is artificially suppress, not really artificially, but it suppresses melatonin release. So melatonin is that neurotransmitter in the brain that tells you it's time to go to bed, right? And when there's your eyes are exposed to blue light, it tells your brain it's still daytime. Mm-hmm. So what's cool is now most phones, tablets, a lot of computers come with blue light filters or like night settings. You'll see that on your phone. And it makes everything look kind of awful, on your screen mm. at first you do your brain kind of adjusts to it gets used to it but when you switch from like regular to a night setting or a blue light filter it looks like really yellow and kind of gross but that's a good thing to do so if you're going to be on your phone or a tablet or laptop 
that's a good trick, right? So limiting stimulants, because you want your brain to know it's time for bed. You want your brain to know uh, it's nighttime. Sweet. Okay, Step number so, one. Keep going, Jake. <laughs> we're just going to keep naming uh, stimulants, right? So sound is another good one. All right, so you want kind of, I would say, minimal effective dose of anything you're doing, right? So lighting, so we talked about blue light, but lights in your home, you want minimum uh, effective dose, meaning like with taking prescription drugs, you don't want to take more than you need to, right? Because there's like side effects in most drugs. Mm -hmm. So you want the minimum effective dose. That's true for light and sound. So you want just enough lights to where you can do the things that you want to do, but you don't want much more than that. Yeah. Same with sound. So if you're listening to music or a podcast or watching a TV show, you don't need it to be louder than minimum effective volume, right? So we did some visual stimulants. We talked about sound. Another one is motion, Okay. So this seems weird and my wife, Emily, kind of made fun of me at times for this. Of uh, Just like in the evenings, I'll just, like no sudden movements. Mm. Everything is just kind of slow and intentional and gradual. Think like a sloth. Because if you like jolt up off the couch to go get water or go to the bathroom, like that could shock your body into a more alert state. Mm. And I also do that with talking. And that was the one she really made fun of me for was my volume <laughs> gets lower <laughs> and I sleep more slowly because I don't want to excite my body. Hmm. And she's really funny. And like right before bed, she'll like remember something that happened that day and she'll get all excited. She'll be like, never guess what happened today. And then I'm just <laughs> like, what happened today? <laughs> Try not to get too excited about it. Um, so movement, like, and again, yeah, speech, which goes back to volume. And then uh, we should talk about entertainment. Everyone's doing it, right? That's the time of the day that everyone's pretty focused on that stuff. Well, we want to wind down, right? And so for me, especially in grad school is when I had to be disciplined with this. I wanted to study really late into the night sometimes because I was so terrified of failure <laughs> like everyone yeah. in a program like the ones we went through are and so it's 10 o'clock at night and i'm like i just don't have this material this test is going to kill me but i had to be really strict about all right i want to be asleep at 11 because i don't want to disrupt my sleep sleeping routines so i would at 10 o'clock shut the books right I'd rather wake up at three in the morning and continue studying than disrupt my ability to fall asleep on like the time my body's expecting it. Totally. And I would have to then read something fictional and lighthearted or watch something lighthearted uh, to get my mind off the stress of an exam or like my workload at school. And then, uh, just to allow myself to be more peaceful. So even nowadays, like I'm not studying that much, but I do a lot of reading. And before bed, I'm not going to read like a self-help book, for example, mm -hmm. because that's getting my work brain going, right? So what do I do for a job? I yeah. help people. And uh, everything I read in those books is like 
how can I apply this? And so I, I read those in the evenings, but not close to before I want to go to bed. And nowadays I'm a much better sleeper. My, I start my routine like 30 minutes before bed. Um, not an hour, but in, but in grad school it was an hour. So shut the books and then I'm watching something like lighthearted, goofy comedies or something like that. Or reading something just very fun and like novel. But uh, so there we go. We have a couple rules on. Oh, yeah. So rules on entertainment. That's not the best time to watch like the suspenseful crime drama. Now, I'm being particular for people who have sleeping problems. If you're a world champion sleeper, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Right. If you wake up, you feel well rested. You're doing it. Yeah, great job. Well, this the, advice at is at the same time. This is good advice, though. If that world champion sleeper knows there's impending uh, stressful time coming up ahead, they might know, like, oh, I'm gonna have to make a huge, you know, pitch at work, or like, I don't know, a lot of different examples other than that, but like something where they want to make sure that they're gonna have a good night's sleep, even in a stressful circumstance. Very good advice for them. Yeah. Agreed. So, uh, again, if you're struggling, you, you have to experiment with some of these things. But I would argue that TV show or movie that is suspenseful or thrilling in any way, maybe not the best thing before bed. Then, let's talk about gratitude rituals, okay? Because why is gratitude, why would you think gratitude's good uh, before bed? Nick, <laughs> that big noggin of yours, why do you think gratitude be helpful? Well, it seems as though, based off of what you're saying, all right, I'm going to try to be student number one in the class right now. You said that whole thing about sympathetic and parasympathetic states of sleep. gratitude seems like that's a pretty good parasympathetic state of like emotional kind of state to help you get into that parasympathetic. That's what I'm thinking. But then again, I'm I'm trying to like brown nose here, I guess a little bit. Nick star student. Indeed. That's really it. It's like physiologically impossible to be in a state of gratitude and a state of fear or anxiety. So if you can really focus on that emotion, so right before bed, go over things you're grateful for. Like kind of reflect on the day, the good things that happened. You can project out into the next day of things you're looking forward to, like really great opportunities ahead of you. And really try and operate your body in that state of gratitude. That's one of the best ways to put yourself into a state of parasympathetic nervous system function. So good time to do gratitude work. Yeah. I've also heard that it's good to do before like meals too, cause you're going to eat and digest and all that stuff. Sure. And I want that to be going, but um, I have heard some objections lately. Some people will come in. I'll, I'll tell them like about, you know, some rituals that will help them kind of stay in that less anxious, less stressed mindset big one being gratitude and some other, you know, some other kind of meditative practices. And they say, 
but Dr. Nick, that just doesn't work for me. I've tried meditation that doesn't work for me. And therefore they just kind of shut off from it. Do you have any tips for that person? Like if they feel like, Oh, but that, you know what? I have a problem with gratitude. I hate journaling. I hate, you know, whatever. I used to journal uh, gratitude, but then I just think it like I didn't have to do it. And it takes me 20 seconds. Uh, The most important part about listing things you're grateful for is how you feel about it. So the goal is really just to feel the feeling of gratitude, not make a list or whatever. Yeah, because that could Uh, be stressful too. (laughs) Yeah, and it becomes like obligatory and it's not fun and you're not doing it out of love for yourself or (laughs) out of gratitude for your life. You're doing it out of obligation and then it becomes stressful. Yeah. So I would, I would just encourage them to keep trying um, alternative but similar type of practices. Find the one that works for you. If you ask the you know, 1,000 most successful people on the planet, what do they do before bed? You're going to get so many different answers. Yeah. So you have to find what works for you. And I'm saying like a routine that I used to do when I, tr- I had trouble sleeping not really the case for me anymore. We're going to get to the most important thing for me okay. that I still do. Oh man, I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> and again, this works for me. And I've told a lot of people that I work with professionally who uh, want help sleeping. And I say, you know, I get to this part. I want people to struggle with this, but this is what works for me. So, uh, okay. So you've controlled your stimulants for an hour. You kept telling your body it's nighttime. You keep reinforcing this idea like it's time for rest. You know, you brush your teeth, you do the necessities, and then time to hit the pillow, right? Where your mind goes in that first moment of your head hitting the pillow, lights are off, eyes are closed, to me I think is like everything when it comes to sleep. So I know before I lay down what I'm going to think about. And it's not going to be my problems. It's not going to be about work. It's not going to be about the people in my life that I'm helping or the people that need me. It's going to be about something entertaining enough to keep me preoccupied from shifting to the stressful things but mundane enough to where I don't have to like problem solve. Does that make sense? Totally. So what's a good example? Okay. For me. Okay. So the historical example is counting sheep because it's mundane, but it like preoccupies you. So you just imagine sheep and you count them in your head. I'm sure that worked really well for like, people when agriculture was more common and people had sheep around or whatever. But for me, I've always really loved movies. And so what I'll do is I'll replay a scene from a movie I love and know very well. And I'll replay it in my head in great detail. Hmm. And I'll be asleep in 60 seconds. (laughs) Don't get too far into the scene then, huh? I never make it very far, but I know like I'm brushing my teeth. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to think about this. And I lay down and I'm not reflecting on, oh, that unresolved thing from today or that thing I have to figure out before 
tomorrow at some point. It's just like, all right, yeah. Um, watch. I'm rewatching the scene from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> and I just play it in my head, and it occupies my brain enough to where it doesn't shift to those other issues, and I'm asleep. And that works for me. And I've had other people do that, and they're like, I just don't. I can't do it. I don't like movies, or I don't like whatever, or it just doesn't occupy them enough. But for me, it's solid. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I'm already planning out what I'm, I think I'm going to do a, you've got mail tonight. The scene where she, <laughs> Meg Ryan discovers it was Tom Hanks all along. Ooh, that's a big scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that's a good intro to sleep hygiene. I think people have enough tools to start incorporating that into a bedtime routine. A uh, couple things to definitely avoid. Bright lights. Okay. Turn your lights in your home down. Turn the lights on your phone or tablet down. Blue light filters if you have them. Do not watch the news before bed. And I'm talking to our mother right now. Significantly yeah. like this. She's, I know she listens to this. Do not watch the news before you want to fall asleep. That's the opposite of trying to take your mind off like the stresses of the world in your life. News is actually designed to alarm you. It's what sells the news. Yeah. Don't watch that. And don't start your day with that either. Yeah. Um, What about, you know, maybe nutritionally? Just like a quick, what do you avoid before you go to bed? Uh, Okay. Uh, stimulating things, obviously like sugar and caffeine. Um, I do take magnesium before bed. It's a natural calmative. Sometimes I take melatonin. Like I said, you create it by yourself in your brain, but sometimes it's helpful to take it because your body might not have the raw ingredients to make it itself due to stress or due to whatever else is going on in your life. So it's helpful to take it sometimes. Mm -hmm. There's certain teas like nighttime de-stressing, calming teas. Sometimes I'll have that. But I'll be honest, sometimes I have that nightcap. I'll have like a glass of scotch while I'm reading. And it's, uh, I, don't, I mean, obviously alcohol is a depressant, but I just think that routine to me is just like peaceful and calming. Just read a book. Yeah. Glass of scotch. And it feels good. It's amazing. Yeah, um, sometimes it's I'll also take a good nap remedy too. Yeah, I'll take <laughs> detox bath sometimes. That's like a whole nother topic. But detox baths also usually mean lots of Epsom salt, which means magnesium, which really calms you down. Uh, what about, okay, here's a question for you. We don't go, we don't really go into this topic too often because this podcast is really designed for somebody who's very far away from you know, the ability to, to see either one of us in our clinic, you know, clinical practice and they're just listening. They stumbled across this and they just need some advice to go to sleep. That's generally the topics of our, you know, of our podcast. But I am curious as your brother and also clinician, just because I like to pick up some tips. If you got any, what are you doing clinically? If someone's like, I have without getting too advanced, this is the basic crash course on sleep hygiene here, but if someone's coming in 
and they're like, I can't, I have problems sleeping. Are you thinking stuff clinically might be going on? Well, I do the techniques that we're trained in that help identify overriding thought patterns to thought patterns driving people into a stress response. And we just, we update it neurologically, right? That's what you and I do all day in our technique. I think that's still the most important thing, but I'll go over sleep hygiene. Like what's your routine? Like how do you tell your body to prepare for rest? And people's sleep hygiene is usually pretty bad. Even people are like, Oh, I pray right before bed. And I'm like, okay, great. What are you praying for? Like, what are you praying about? Like, oh, I'm praying for my kids. I'm like, okay, great. Are you worried about your kids? Yes. Are you praying about what you're worried about? <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Not the best evening prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, nighttime prayers. What are you thankful for? What are you grateful for? What is God doing in your life? You know, what is like, what good things are happening? Again, going back to gratitude. And like people, I'll say that to people and they'll be like, no one's ever told me that. I'm like, we need to be telling people this. You can't yeah. just worry. You can't just worry to God before bed and then think that's a good, a good habit. Yeah. Well, I like to think too, like using the analogy of bedtime routine, um, in the nighttime of our life, right? <laughs> when mm-hmm. we come to the very end of our life, I hope that my disposition would be, you know, gratitude and, mm-hmm. and love and peace and all those things. And I think it's kind of like, it seems, it seems rather obvious. That's what you're hoping for at the end of your life. But at the end of your day, it should be the same, should be the same way. People don't actually practice that. That's the crazy part to me is it's like, you know, these are the things that you want everyone wants basically the four things, right? You know, safety slash security, love, peace, and joy. And yet, yeah. And food (laughs) and food and Netflix maybe, but um, they want those four things and they don't practice it. Yeah. They think like, once I get through this anxiety, then I'll be able to take on love. Once I pray for, once I pray hard enough for my kids, I pray long enough for my kids and their every one of their problems goes away, which is just never going to happen anyways. Everyone's yeah. always going to have problems from the rest of their life. Once <laughs> I get there, then, you know, everything's going to be good. And then I could have peace. It's like, no, you, you got to practice peace. Yeah. And it starts at stuff like this, where you have your night routine when you practice being peaceful before you go to bed. It's a great practice to do for a lot of reasons, but mainly you get better sleep. Mm-hmm. I'll add one more thing. The feeling of connection and belonging is really important because historically, when I mentioned that example, like sleeping in a cave, sleeping in the wilderness, right? Dangerous. You have to kind of sleep in alert state. When we started building communities, building civilization, one of the perks was I could sleep knowing like I'm protected to some capacity, right? My community is going to look out for me. I'm not alone. And that runs pretty deep, I think, in our neurology. So one of the ways to subconsciously feel safe and secure is to have that sense of community and that sense of belonging. So like kind of gut check, 
think in your life? Do you feel like you belong? Do you feel like people in life, generally speaking, have your back and are looking out for you? I think that's important. So that's not happening. Like go out and connect. Build relationships. Like be vulnerable, be intimate with people. Be known is one way to say it. And uh, not in the biblical sense though. Let, let, (laughs) Let people love you. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's my I think that's my final piece. That's awesome. I love it. Um well dang. Feel like really dropped the heat there at the end, Jake. Uh yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. It's it's really good stuff to talk about. And you know, I mean the reason why we bring this stuff up now, I think comes from the fact that when we're seeing somebody, a client they have great questions that we just can't spend an hour talking to them about, unfortunately, but we can't hear on this podcast. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you're right. I could save myself time now. Yeah. I listen to my podcast. Yeah. I talked about sleep. <laughs> good point. Well, yeah. I mean, that is a good point. From, <laughs> sorry, from a business standard. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but also just like, you know, I know you and I both want to, you know, like p- people come in, they're like, well, Oh, I have this, you know, this, they have this pressing question about nutrition or supplements or sleep or their life in some way. And it's like, Oh, I have, unfortunately you ask when I have five minutes left for you, you know, like Uh would have been a great question to ask, but so I'm glad we get chances to do this because I'm glad I get a chance to actually hear everything that you've been absorbing for the last (laughs) 10 years, you know? Um, anyways, I'm grateful. It's a good way to end the podcast is gratitude. I'm grateful too. <laughs> like an absolute pro for the most part. So, and well, when awesome. I don't, I always can reflect and be like, Oh yeah. Cause I didn't do what I know that I should do. Yeah. So if yeah. I do this, if I do the things I just shared, it's like a hundred percent, I will sleep well. Yeah. Which I'm definitely, you know, so I, I feel, I'll put it this way. I'm one of those people who think that like I'm a guaranteed good sleeper. I'm like, yeah, cause I don't have a problem. I go to sleep, whatever. But there are a lot of mornings where I wake up and I'm like, I'm so tired, you know, yeah. but I fell asleep easy. Right. We could always improve on that, that sleep, which is let's, let's face the facts here. It's like the number one time where you heal and you repair and you grow. That's it. Number one thing. If you feel like, you're out there. You feel like you just, I know so many people feel that way. Like, Oh, I, I'm not really repairing like I used to or or healing like I used to when I was 20 years old and now I'm 40 or whatever. It's like, okay, you're not that old guys. <laughs> you know, you're not old. Okay. There's things that you can be doing to, to heal and repair better. And this is what, like the number one thing is how do you just like turn off and let your body heal? Get that deep sleep, everybody. Go get it. Anyways, man. Well, we've come to the end. What a journey it's been. (laughs) Definitely some twists and turns. And, uh, but anyways, I hope you have a good weekend, Jake. You too, bro. You too. And everyone else. Have a great weekend. (laughs) <laughs> when it, even though this will drop on a Monday. <laughs> yep. Have that great weekend though. It's coming.
Yeah. So weekend hashtag <laughs> weekend mindset. Um, all right, cool. Well, love you, man. Love you too. See ya. Okay.